Blog Talk Radio. Amen. 
Praise God. It's good to be in church this morning. Amen. Here, you stick in there for me. Thank you, brother. All right. It's a new year. Amen. Praise God. 2022. How many of y'all thought we'd still be here in 2022? I'm telling you, it seemed like a long time off when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw somewhere yesterday. How many of y'all remember the movie Soylent Green? You know, it was supposed to take place in 2022. <laughs> For real. Do you know they have a product out there called Soylent Green? They actually do. I don't know what it is, but there I saw that. But anyway, and regardless of what the, the, the Hollywood tells us is going to happen, regardless of what of what we see around us, it's going to happen according to God's timetable. Uh, things are going to happen in his in His time and his manner. Stephen, good to see you this morning. I just noticed you back there, brother. Glad you're here this morning. <laughs> Amen. It's cold outside, but we got a good crowd this morning in spite of the cold, and I appreciate every one of you being here. Um, Bonnie had sent us a note up here, and I'm going to read this. Uh, so I'm going to read this to you. On behalf of our whole family, we would like to express our gratitude for your thoughtfulness and kindness during this time. We want to thank you for all your hard work on the dinner. My family really appreciated it, and the flowers that were sent from the church were just beautiful. Grant would have been so very would have been very happy with the way the service went. So thank you so much for helping us make that happen. Love y'all, Ennis and McCulloch families, and we just we're glad we were able to. And uh, we just we're praying for you. Continue to pray for you and your family. And, and let's remember to pray for not only y'all's family, but you need to pray for the for the Stringer family and the Stanley family. And uh, I want to add one to that. Uh, I had us praying for a friend of mine up in Montana, Grant Newby. He he watches our services and and uh, and loves our church. He lost his wife to COVID. She was doing real good, and it, it took a good turn. And they were talking about getting her off of things. And the next day, she just bottled out, and within two days, she was gone. And uh, so they they was married 34 years. He's he he said you know he has joy knowing she's in heaven, but it's still not easy. Y'all please pray for my friend Gordon, and uh, pray for uh, Tommy Shelton over in Paris, who is uh, coming down to his last days, and and Lord allowed me to minister to him as well. Uh, prayer requests, Miss Charlotte, my your health, yes ma'am. Anybody else? Prayer requests. He's not in better surgery this morning. Oh, my goodness. All right. Right. Yep, let's lift Dan, Dan up in prayer. Pray that God heals him and gives him some stability. Let's, let's remember Becky, too, as well. Uh, remember pray for her. Uh, anybody else? Anything else? My sister in Arkansas, I do want to remember to pray for her. Um, you were about to slip your hand up. Yeah. Um, just really big pray for me. Um, you know, I have all of this stuff now I have to do that perhaps not around, right? And you know, going to Social Security and yeah. and all of that. And just pray that it goes smoothly and you know, give me wisdom Right. Right. I know it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Yes, we will. We'll be praying for you. God will give you wisdom and all that. All right. Anybody else? Yes, Cole. Yes, my dad will be built up. Yes, sir, absolutely. I want to see Scott back in church soon. I'm, I'm praying for him to get better. Y'all remember to pray for Qantas. It was here, got baptized last week. That he'll come back and, and, and be here with us and learn the Word of God. Um, all right. Anything else from anybody before we go to the Lord in prayer? 
All right, y'all pray for me this morning. I'm behind. I'm, I'm preaching with one arm behind my back this morning. So, so pray for me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Is that the right one? I don't know. You didn't give me a minute. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Three ninety-two. I'm sorry, I made you one. I don't know. Okay. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's name, and sinners what beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. There's blood beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoice to see that fountain in his day. And there say I, oh, my lady, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Oh. 
God's only son. 
but uh, but we're shifting. The doctrine is shifting from who Christ is to what he has done. Amen? And we're truly going to see that in this message this morning. All right? So, again, we're transitioning from the Jews to the Gentiles. We're transitioning from the apostles to the apostle Paul. We are transitioning from Israel to the church and from what, from who Christ is, again, to what he has done. So, again, although Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, what does he do? The first thing he does, he goes to the Jews first. Again, salvation is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he goes to those he knows how to witness to the best. And we've seen them leave. And just to give you backstory just a little bit, we've seen Barnabas and Paul leave Antioch in Syria. Okay? That's in Syria where they are in Antioch. And they go down to the to the shore and they get on a boat and they sail across the Mediterranean to the Isle of Crete. I'm sorry, the Isle of Cyprus, not Crete. The Isle of Cyprus. And they, they, they go in at a city called Salamis and from there, they go across the, the island, and they go to the other side to uh, to Paphos, and there they, they witness in the synagogue. We read about all that last week. And then from there, John Mark, who was with them, sails, goes back to Jerusalem, and Paul and Barnabas, they sail north up to, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the place. Let's see, it's right in front of me. I guess I could just look at it, couldn't I? Uh, they departed from Perga, and they came to they sailed it to Perga and and in Pamphylia and they and they left out of there and they went to Antioch. You say, Well, they went back where they started? No, there's a different Antioch. Just like the little community where I live down here by south of Deport, they call it Lone Oak, but there's a Lone Oak, Texas. There's a Palestine, Texas, and if you go north of Paris, there's another Palestine, Texas. A lot of different cities at the same name, even in the same state. So this is two different countries, but they got the same name, so we don't need to confuse them. This is Antioch and Pisidia that we're looking at. So let's let's get right into the scripture this morning. Verse 14, And when they were departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So they went in the synagogue, just like you kind of came in here this morning. You came in here to hear the word of God. And that's what they did too. They went in there and they sat down in the synagogue to hear the hear the law and the prophets read because that's what they would do. They would stand up and they would read. So anyway, verse 15, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. That's kind of like the end of the preaching service. The preacher said, anybody got a word of testimony, anything you want to say, anything you want to add, or at the end of a Sunday school lesson or anything like that, anybody got any thoughts on the matter? So this was given the open floor. If any of you out here have heard the reading of the Scripture and you want to say something, or if you have something to add to it, go ahead. Well, that was the, that was the opportunity Paul was looking for, right? He was looking for an opportunity, and he took his opportunity. Verse 16, then Paul stood up, and beckoning with his hand, like he said, hey, said, hey uh, y'all listen just a minute. Or I don't know, maybe he maybe he just raised his hand big. I don't know. Or maybe he said, hey, y'all hush. I don't know. But he said, hey, y'all listen to me for a minute. And uh, <clears throat> he said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. 
ye men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. All right? I want you to understand the situation he's in. I want you to, I want you to somehow put your mind in his position. Paul is no longer, he is no longer going to teach anything. By, uh, he's no longer going to teach the law necessarily. He, he's, he's now preaching salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay? So he's, he's going to have to stand up and say some things that they're not going to want to hear in there. Okay? I want you to understand the, 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 the absolute intestinal fortitude, the guts, the courage it took for him to stand up in this synagogue and say what he's about to say. It'd be the equivalent of us all going down and, and sitting in with the Catholics down here a couple blocks away, and at the end of the service, me standing up and saying, hey, Mr. Priest, I, I want to add something, and then going through and preaching that it's by grace, by, by grace through faith alone and not of works, and then none of these things that you're doing and going through and uh, your sacraments and, 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 and being confirmed, all those things, they do not save you. It'd be like me standing up and telling that whole church that, and I've seen people do that. I saw a video recently where a guy stood up in the middle of Lakewood Church, Joel Osteen Church, and, and proclaimed, you don't preach the gospel. You're not preaching against sin. You're not preaching salvation through Jesus Christ. I mean, they, they got him out of there pretty quick, but he stood up and told them for a minute. It took guts to do that. You say, was he looking for attention? Was he seeking a pat on the back? No, I believe his heart was burning for the truth, and he couldn't hold it back, and he didn't want those people to be deceived any longer. So... It'd be like us doing that or going into a Pentecostal church and, and talking about how it's not, not by extra-biblical things or, or, or going to the Mormon, uh, Mormon uh, I don't want to call it the church, but going in there and, and letting them know, listen, Joseph Smith is not, he is not a messenger of the gospel, and, you're go, and he's a false leader, and, you, and you're going you're to go to hell following his doctrine. Or us going into the Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall down here doing the same thing. It, take, it would take guts to do that. Believe me, I don't have that kind of gut on my own. But I can tell you this, when the Holy Ghost of God gets on you, you've got guts. And I, when I say this, don't think for one second I'm tooting my horn because my horn does not need to be tooted. But all I can do is tell you what God has done in my own life. I can tell you of a time when I was downtown Paris, Texas at a guitar store and came out and realized that a big crowd was forming around the courthouse and it was the new Black Panther Party and the, and the Nation of Islam. And, and they were down there having their big rally at the courthouse over some injustice that they perceived. And God put it on my heart to preach to them. And so I went and got my Bible and stood out in the middle of the courthouse lawn by myself and preached to them that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come to the Father except by him. And it ain't through my works or anything else. And I made it plain to those people as loud as I could. You know what? It wasn't me because I didn't want to do it. I tried to talk God out of it two or three times before I went and did it, actually. I said, God, I'm wearing overalls and a white T-shirt and my old work boots and a ball cap. Lord, I don't look like no preacher. God said, it don't make no difference what you got on, boy. I said, well, I ain't got my Bible. He said, it's in the truck. Every time I come up with a reason why not, God said, here's the reason why. So it took courage. And when a man is filled with the Spirit of God, he has courage that's not his own. So what did Paul tell him? He, well, he gave him. He gave them the message of who Jesus was. He used the only material that he had at that time. He didn't have New Testament gospel tracts, amen? He didn't have a New Testament. He hadn't wrote it yet. 
Amen. Listen, he, he didn't have all those things. All he had was the law and the prophets. He had the Old Testament. And, you know, and he got up and he reminded them prophecies about the Messiah. And some believed and some didn't. So let's look at verse 16 there. Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand, men of Israel and ye that fear God. Men of Israel, he's talking to the Jews that are there, okay? And then he says, ye, ye that fear God. He's referencing the proselytes, those that had been Gentiles who had, who had believed in the Jewish faith and became and were circumcised and became, became Jewish. Uh, so he's going to witness to them regarding Christ. But I want you to see how he does it. It's so very interesting what Paul does and how he does it. Look at verse 17. He said, The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it. Now, what's he quoting from? Y'all know he's quoting from Exodus, right? The Exodus, right? All right, verse 18. Then it said, And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. He's referring there to the book of Numbers. All right? Then you get to 19, and the Bible said, And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, or Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. He's there referring to the book of Joshua, okay? And so he's going Exodus. He didn't say Leviticus, but Numbers. And didn't do Deuteronomy, but he did Joshua. So he's following our, our Bible, how it's laid out. He's going through the scriptures. Let's keep looking. Verse 20. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. He's, he's referencing there. He's going through Judges and Ruth. Now, what about Ruth? What does Ruth have? See, I, I think right here, I think God is showing us a pattern. He's showing us, he's showing us, and, and when we got to Judges, one of the, one of the uh, predominant things in Judges to me is where God said, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay? That's kind of where we are right now. I think this is kind of a picture of leading up to the tribulation period. I'm going to show you this. I, I, again, there's parallels all through the Word of God. But again, Ruth, Ruth was a Gentile woman, was she not? She married a Jewish man. Church is a Gentile woman. Married a Jewish man, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right? And then you have in verse 21. Now look here, verse 21. You have, and afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sith, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, of the space of 40 years. Guess who Saul is a picture of? Saul is a picture of Antichrist. There's about 10 earmarks or things that you can, you can identify as why Saul is a, is a representation of Antichrist. So again, you've got, you've got all this Old Testament. Then you've got, again, a, Jew, a Gentile woman marries a Jewish man, which represents Christ and his church. Then you've got immediately right after that, you've got the Antichrist picture. Okay? Well, let's look at the next verse. Verse 22. And of this man's seed, oh, uh, verse 22, I missed it, verse 23 as he jumped into it. Look at verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, who is David representative of? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. So again, Paul is going through the scriptures. He's letting them know. And by the way, 
did Paul know how long it was going to be to Jesus' return? No, he had no idea. I think Paul believed that Jesus' return was imminent. Matter of fact, he said so. And for that reason, I think he wrote, I think Paul's the author of Hebrews. Now, people can say what they want to, but I believe it was around this time when Paul wrote the book of Hebrews because he was trying to warn them. To, I mean, he's going to the Jews first. I believe he wrote that book to the Hebrews to warn them of, of what was to come and they should, they should reject the law and believe on Christ, but that's neither here nor there. But that's where I stand on it. But then verse 23, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. All right? Of this man's seed. You know why he mentions that? Because the Jews have a reverence for David. He's trying to speak to them where they live. He's trying to hit them with something they know. And he and so so Paul brings them all the way from Moses, teaching them and teaching them how the story goes forward all the way up to David. And he and and and, and they know that many of David's psalms are prophetic psalms. Okay? And that they know that they're prophetic about the Messiah. So Paul's message is this. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. He is your Messiah. That's what Paul is doing. And he's taking the Old Testament and he's showing them from the Old Testament how Jesus Christ is the Messiah. All right, now look at verse 24. On beyond the Old Testament to the New. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance, to all the people, Israel. Now you hear that? What did John preach? The baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. The baptism of repentance is saying, get your heart right with God because the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is here. The Messiah, he's fixed to be revealed. Get your heart right with God because of that. Now, that was to the Jews, right? That's not salvation's message to you and I. We are not to have the baptism of repentance. We get saved by believing on the finished work of Christ. We repent. We repent of our sin. We've turned from our way, which thinking we could save ourselves somehow, and we believe on Christ and his salvation that he has paid for. He's already done for us. <coughs> but here they're talking about the baptism of repentance. Now I want you to look at Acts 2.38. So turn back there with me just for a moment. Acts 2.38. Boy, I tell you what, if some of my Pentecostal brethren could get their head around this, it would change everything. It certainly would change everything. Acts 2. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. That's exactly the same message John the Baptist is preaching back yonder. Why? Because it's to Israel. It's telling them, to repent of not believing on Christ and believe that he is your Messiah. Because, again, all they were preaching to on the day of Pentecost was Jews. Amen? He, first of all, they had to identify Christ as their Savior, their Messiah, before they would ever believe on him for salvation. You understand that? If they don't believe he's the one, they're not going to believe on him for salvation. So that's why the message to the Jews is that Christ is the Messiah. That's the way to witness to them. You have to show them that first. All right? So why did John come? What was his purpose to come? And the Bible tells us in John 1, 31, here's what it said. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. 
That's what John said. That's my job is to make Jesus manifest or demonstrate or show him to Israel that he is the Messiah. So, again, I'm just trying to hit this over and over and over so you see this, that to the Jews the message is simply that Jesus is your Messiah. It's the same message regardless of whether it's John the Baptist or Peter on the day of Pentecost, the same, very same message. So it's, it's about the who he is, right? It's about who Jesus is, 25 and 26. And John fulfilled his course, and he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, the children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God to you is the word of this, the word of this salvation sent. So anyway, again, Jesus is the Savior, which equals he is the Messiah, the who he is, verse 27 and 28. All right, he's going to shift his attention now to the Jews, the, the leaders, 27 and 28. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate, that he should be slain. This thing got warm in here. Amen. So he's addressing what happened and what took place in regarding the death of Christ. All right? So, And they're blamed. The Jewish leaders are blamed for killing Jesus. They're blamed for reading but not understanding. They could have been teaching the message of the Messiah all along. Do you realize that? But they didn't. They had the prophecies right there in front of them. They read it, but they didn't explain it. They didn't understand it themselves. You know why? It's because they were more interested in things like what I've mentioned before, Kabbalah, which comes from the Babylonian captivity. All that pagan garbage, all that pagan uh, stuff that they brought with them and mixed in with their with their tradition, uh, with their, their they made them Jewish traditions. And 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 listen, it messed up the religion of the Jews, so that when Christ came, nobody was looking for him. They were all caught up in carnal traditions. Listen to Mark chapter 7. Jesus said, He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, Their people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they Worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That's what Christ said about the Jews when he showed up. He said, listen, your heart is a long way from me, and you're teaching commandments of men for the commandments of God. Verse 9 of that same scripture, and he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. What tradition? Again, these pagan things that have been intermingled with God's Word. <clears throat> Verse 13, that same text, making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things you do. So they weren't even teaching the Bible anymore. They were teaching their traditions and their commandments. It was a godless shell of what God had created. And it's no wonder they couldn't see Christ when he showed up because they had blinders on, fleshly blinders on. That's what's wrong with so many people today. That's why they don't go to church anywhere. That's why they don't want to hear the gospel. They've got blinders on. They can't see. 
That's why they love this world and the filth of it. <clears throat> That's why they were all tuned into the New Year's Eve show with Miley Cyrus and all that garbage and all the filth and mess that was on TV the other night. That's why people love that. And they all go out to clubs and dance and, and drink the night away. They have blinders on. They don't understand that God loves them, that God sent his son to save them. And these Jews were blind. And Paul was telling them, listen, these people have blinded you. They've lied to you. They haven't told you the truth. He was criticizing the Pharisees. Guess what? He used to be a Pharisee. Amen? Hey, he was turning against those he had stood with. Sometimes you got to. You're going to stand for God. You have to stand, you have to stand alone sometimes. I think it was... I think it was <coughs> I think it was Charles Wesley. Somebody told him once, he said, I may be wrong on that. I think it was John, maybe it was John Wesley. He said, you're not keeping to your parish. He said, the whole world is my parish. Amen? Listen, a lot of people just want us to shut up and sit down and hush. But listen, the whole wide world is my platform. The whole wide world is my congregation. The whole wide world is, is my ministry. <coughs> So, I want you to notice here in verse 28, again here in verse 28, that Paul begins preaching what he refers to as his gospel. He's, he's, he's it's, it's changing away from who Jesus is to what he has done. And, of course, his gospel is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I'm going to read it just for textual reference. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have also received, and wherein ye stand, which, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. There's five points in that. It's a five-point outline right there. Number one, Christ died for our sins. Okay, that's part of the gospel. And then the second is, that he was buried. And thirdly, that he rose again the third day. And fourthly, he did it according to the scriptures. But the fifth is that word at the first of it. It's how. How he did that. It's, it's telling of how it happened, of how you get saved. It's no longer just who he is, but what he accomplished, what he did, the debt he paid. All right, so let's look at it in the text and let's see him preach this. Verse 28, And they found no cause of death in him, yet desired by Pilate that he should be slain. He died according to the Scriptures, right? Number to Verse 29, And when they had fulfilled all that was written to him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. There's his burial. But God raised him from the dead. Amen? And there is your resurrection. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses of the people. There, there is the how it happened because they saw it. There's witnesses of it. Amen. Jesus said we are to be his witnesses. You say, well, I wasn't there. Well, I know it's happened in me, so I've got the witness in me to tell others. All right, look at verse 32 and 33. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise was made unto the fathers. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, 
as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So what does he do? He's going to take them. He's going to take them to the Psalms. He's going to show them from the Psalms. In Psalm 2, verse 7, which he was quoting, he said, I will declare this decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Chapter 2 of Psalms is all about Jesus. It's all about what he came to do. Then verse 34. I'm hurrying because i got to get done here. Verse 34 Isaiah, it's quoting Isaiah, referring to Isaiah. Verse 34 said, And as concerning he that raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Okay? That's referring to Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 3, which says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Again, there it is right there. I will give you the sure mercies of David. All right? So Jesus died to give us a new covenant. We're no longer under the law. It's a new covenant. And the mercies of David come in this new covenant. Amen? The message of salvation. So, verse 35. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm. This is talking about Psalm 16. Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's in Psalm 16, verse 10. When you got time, I recommend you read Psalm 16. It, it, it's all about Christ. It's all about salvation. Verse 36 and 37. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. That's there to explain that that wasn't talking about David. That was talking about Jesus. David died. He was buried. But Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So it's not referring to David because David's bones are still somewhere. But Jesus never suffered any corruption. All right? <clears throat> Verse 38 and 39. But be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. I want you to notice two words there that Paul has not used before. He's talking about, number one, the forgiveness of sins. And second of all, he's talking about being justified. That's two phrases he's not used. The forgiveness of sin or justified by believing. And he also mentions in that same passage, uh, he mentioned faith. All right? He's talking about having faith in God. Amen? So we're not saved by the law. We're saved by faith. We're saved by, by, by believing on Christ. And that word justified, and I know you all have heard this before, but it means just as if I had never sinned. Amen? But when I, when I went to Christ, when I came to him confessing that I was a sinner lost and in need of a Savior, and I believed on him, he washed all my sins away, not just the ones I'd committed up to that point, but all my future sins are gone too, and it is just as if I'd never sinned. Amen? Praise God for salvation through Jesus Christ that washes all our sins away and keeps us sin-free for all eternity. Now, I know I still fall down, I still mess up, but the blood covers that and washes that away. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. So 
Paul mentions these same things over in Romans 3. Romans 3.28, he said, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Hallelujah. I don't have to work to keep my salvation. Amen? It ain't like buying a car and I'm making a down payment and they give me a payment book and i got to check off that and make and turn that in. Uh, listen, God doesn't ask me to make down payments on my salvation. It's paid for. Amen? From front to back. Hallelujah. In Romans 5, 9, he mentions again, much more than now being now justified by his blood. Amen? It's all about the blood atonement. We're justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Amen? It's not about anything that anybody's ever done except for Jesus. And again, I wish everybody would be saved. Amen? I wish everybody, I wish this whole wide world would get saved. But if if they're preaching something opposite of the blood having the saving power, they are lying to people and damning their souls to hell. As nice as they may be, they're damning souls to an eternity in a lake of fire without end if they're giving any other message than justification by faith in Jesus' blood that was shed for our sins. Salvation is a justification through a blood atonement. Atonement. You can, you, that word means making everything right. Amen? We're to trust the blood of Jesus Christ. It's about what he did, not us. He shed his blood to be the atonement for the sins of the whole wide world. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. God set Jesus forth to be a propitiation. What does that word mean? A propitiation is the atonement or atoning sacrifice offered to God to satisfy his wrath and render him favorable towards sinners. There's a song I've sung here. It's called The Last Blood. And the chorus says, And here he comes, and he's got the blood that he shed on Calvary. And the Father says, Well done, my son. This is the last blood I'll ever need. All those blood of animals couldn't do it. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ, and that's all that was necessary. And and when God, when that blood was applied, God says, that's it. I'm satisfied. I'm no longer angry at those who trust and believe on that blood. Amen. So it doesn't make no difference what you've done. And I know by your testimony, everybody in here is saved. But there's people listening to us that may not be. And I want them to know it doesn't make any difference what you've done. The blood is able to save. I'll never forget years ago. I've told this before, but I'll tell it again. Years ago, baptizing a little girl, her mama brought her to get baptized. Kind of like Qantas coming the other night, just showed up out of the blue and uh, wanted her to be baptized. Said she'd gotten saved, and I asked her, I, I counseled with her, and she said, yes, she trusted Christ, had a salvation testimony. And I, I took her about, we had to, we were in a meeting in a home, our house in Paris, we had set up as a church, and went out on the back porch there and screened in the back porch, and I had a big Rubbermaid 150-gallon horse trough filled with water, and I baptized her there. And her mother and her dad came in, visited with me in my office afterward, and I asked her mother, do you know for sure you're saved? And uh, 
she said, no. And I said, well, I, I explained to her to believe on Christ, trust him as her Savior, and she could be saved. And she said, I just don't think I can be. And I said, why? She said, because because I'm an alcoholic. And I said, have you ever, you ever heard the song, Just As I Am? And she said, oh, that's my favorite gospel song. I said, well, ma'am, have you ever listened to the words? Just as I am. Without one plea, I got nothing to speak to say for myself as to what I have become, what I am. That's what that song's saying. It's but that thy blood was shed for me. It's the blood. It ain't got anything to do with what kind of life you lived. It ain't got anything to do with what kind of sins you committed. It has to do with are you trusting the blood to pay for those sins, to cover those sins, to wash them clean. It's all about the blood. Then 40 and 41, look there. We're almost we're almost at the finish line. He's going to take them to Habakkuk. He said, Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Habakkuk, verse 1 of chapter 1, verse 5. Behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told to you. That's what he's quoting. And yet, though Christ and his apostles preached and preached and preached and preached and preached and taught the miracles and everything, they still didn't want to believe it. He's quoting that. He's telling them why Jesus wasn't received, that it was already it already had been spoken that they would reject him. And look at verse forty two. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. The Gentiles that were there, they said, man, that was good, Paul. Will you come back next week and preach that again? You know why they were that way? Y'all have any idea why they were so excited about it? Gentiles had plenty of gods. They had all kinds of gods. They had tons of idols and statues and things. But you understand, all of those idols said, you've got to bring this and sacrifice. You've got to do this and sacrifice. All these idols was, bring me meat for the sacrifice. Lay meat on the altar. Put money, all this stuff. It was just give, 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 give. And along comes Jesus who says, you don't have to do anything but believe, and I'll love you, and I'll forgive you. It ain't about your works. It ain't about your goodness. It's about what I've done. And they said, wow, there's a God out there that loves me and died and shed his blood for me and was a sacrifice on my behalf? That's incredible. Please come back and tell us this again. I'm telling you, there are people out there all over this world who are in bondage to sin, and they don't realize that they don't have to clean themselves up to come to God, that God will do the cleaning work through his atoning sacrifice. They just have to believe on him and trust him. They need to hear that message, folks. They need to hear that message. The Greeks wanted to hear it again. Tell us again. Remember, the Greeks seek after wisdom, right? They ain't looking for no miracle. They ain't say, Paul, come back and work a miracle for us. No, they said, we just want to hear the word. Amen. 43. And now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews, the religious proselytes, followed Paul and Barnabas. So some of them got saved. Amen. Hallelujah for that. And, they, and who speaking unto them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So he's telling them, listen, 
Keep going. Don't don't just stop today with what I've given you. Believe it and and, and begin to walk in it. You know, he's given grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God has, has got all this for you. Amen. Verse 44. And the next Sabbath day. So a week passes. Next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Almost the whole city. Wow. That message was so important. Guess what those Greeks did that heard it? Guess what the, uh, the Gentiles and the Jews that heard it and believed it? They went and told people. They said, man, you should have heard the sermon that I heard down there at the synagogue. They told me how I could have my sins forgiven. They told me how I could have everlasting life. It's incredible. You need to come and hear it for yourself. I wish we'd get like that. But we say, you know what? If you just come down to that church, I guarantee you, you'd hear how to be saved. Amen? I mean, listen, I don't think there's anybody in here that couldn't tell somebody how to be saved. But at the very least, hey, come to church with me, and you can find out how to know what I know. That's what they were doing. Verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, and I bet they were I bet they got in a little pucker right then. Nearly the whole town showed up to hear Paul and Barnabas, not to hear the priests. I mean, listen. I don't know how many people was in that town. But let's take a modest estimate. Let's say it was the size of Clarksville. Can you imagine if next Sunday nearly everybody in Clarksville showed up here to hear the Word of God? Can you imagine? I'm sure it was quite a shocker to them priests. What is going on here? Oh, man, this is trouble. We are sunk. <laughs> you know, it, 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 in their mind, it was the end of their whole existence, their job, their purpose of being on earth. I mean, they were priests in the, in the, in the Jewish synagogue. I mean, they, they were there for a reason. But not anymore. They had... Paul was taking the reason right out from under it. Verse 45 again. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. They said, oh, man, again, they're going to ruin us. Why couldn't we draw a crowd like this? And they spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Hmm. What did they speak against? They stood up and spoke against the blood of Jesus. They stood up and said, that blood won't save anybody. That's worthless to believe that garbage. That's the kind of things they were preaching. They preached. They, they spoke against justification, that God would, would justify a man through, the, through the, the atoning sacrifice of his son Jesus. They spoke against the resurrection, that he was never raised from the dead, that that was some hoax that the Jews came up with. They spoke against faith in Christ. That, that There's no point in believing on him. You just keep coming to the synagogue and you do what we tell you. They spoke against grace, that God would be that merciful. And they spoke against who Christ was. You know why? They wanted to keep their jobs. They wanted to remain in control and in power over the people. They were tyrants masquerading as religious men. Verse 46. We're coming down to the end, y'all. <clears throat> Verse 46. So, again, they, you picture it. 
All the Barnabas show up, and everybody out of them coming out of the woodwork showing up. And in the middle of it, these priests are like, hey, listen, this is a bunch of nonsense. So you got all that going on. And so people, I guess I can just imagine some people are like, hmm, maybe these priests are right. And they're looking at Paul and Barnabas. Well, what happens? I can tell you what happens. God, the Holy Ghost, said, all right, boy, it's time to step up and say something. Listen, I, and the same thing happened to Paul as happened to me trying to get away from that rally down there at the courthouse. The Holy Ghost of God came upon him. The Holy Ghost of God filled him from his head to his feet. And the Bible says right here that he waxed bold. He got bold. He didn't, it wasn't that bold before. He waxed, but he grew bold. Amen? I'm telling you, when somebody comes against God, and when somebody starts spouting off lies against God's word, man, I turn into a roaring lion. I don't back down a bit. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think or what you do. I'm going to tell the truth, whether you like it or not. With it hair lips of hope, I'm going to tell the truth. Amen? And that's the way Paul got. Holy Ghost boldness, folks. He grew bold, and he said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you talking to the Jews. It was necessary that you heard it first. But seeing you put it from you, you don't want it. That's all right. And you judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles right then and there. Paul said, I've had enough of this. You don't want it? I'm not going to bring it to somebody that don't want it. I'm going to those who are hungry for the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something today. You're wasting your time arguing with somebody trying to get them saved. Hear what I'm saying. You may love them, want them saved more than anything in the world, but if you've got to argue with them about it, they ain't never going to get saved. The heart that get, the person that gets saved has a heart ready to receive it. I can usually tell when I start witnessing somebody whether they want to get saved or not. I've spent times where I've spent an hour or two trying my best to convince somebody to plead with them, but I can't convince anybody. If you don't want it, ain't no amount of talking going to change your mind. God has to be drawing that soul. So, Paul had Holy Ghost boldness. He had Holy Ghost boldness. And now the gospel goes to the Gentiles. So look, verse 47, we're hurrying. For so hath the Lord commanded us. We got a command from God saying, I have set thee to be a light from the, to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen. And we're still going. Amen. To the ends. Of, we're still going. There's still missionaries going out, reaching people who have not yet heard. This same thing he said is still in perpetuation right now. Verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So it produced something in them. It produced, number one, it produced gladness. You see that? They were glad that salvation had come. It produced joy in them. All right? And the Bible says, and they glorified the word of the Lord. Not only were they full of joy, they praised God for his word and wanted to share it with other people. There was a heart's desire to not keep it to themselves, but to give it away to other people. 49. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. That's what happens when you have joy in your heart and a desire to spread the message. The message spreads. People get saved. Guess what happened? 
the devil didn't go to sleep when they started doing that, did he? Bible said in verse 50, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city. That's the powerful movers and shakers. They went to the powerful people and said, hey, we got troublemakers here that's fixing to disrupt everything in our town. They've got the, they got the synagogue down there so messed up and turned on its head. I mean, they're going to tear up everything. So what did they do? They raised the persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and these people came to them and said, you get out of here. Get out of here. We don't want you here anymore. Leave. Expelled them out of their coasts. Devil don't want the word of God to go forth. But you know what I like? I thought about this verse in the shower this morning. Resist, submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You know why the devil will flee from you? Because you submitted yourself to God. Not because you're anything. Because he ain't scared of you, but he's scared of God. And when you put yourself in God's hand, when you put yourself into God's business, and you put yourself under God's umbrella of authority and power, the devil's scared of that. Amen. So if you want, if you want to keep the devil off your back, I got a, I got an idea for you in 2022. Get close to God as you can get, and serve God as much as you can. And the devil, he, he's going to be afraid. Amen. To get in the middle of it too much because he don't want God running over him. Verse 51, but they shook the dust off their feet against them and came to Iconium. That's exactly what Jesus told them to do. Back when he sent them out earlier in the ministry and they wouldn't receive them in their city, he said, take and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against the Savior. You know what? If you don't want my Savior, I don't even want your dirt on my feet. I don't want nothing to do with somebody that don't want him, that don't love him. I don't even want your dirt on me. Amen? Hey, listen, you said, that's ugly. No, it's not. That's a testimony against them. What I have in Jesus is so good and so right and so perfect and so awesome. If you to say it's worthless, I don't want anything to do with somebody like that who thinks like that. Don't you tarnish my Savior's image with your vile words. Just get out, get away from me. I don't even want it. That's what you're saying. In verse 52, and we're doing And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. What a change. We sing that song sometimes. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have joy in my life for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. What a change takes place when he comes in. Joy comes in. Where there was sadness before, there's joy. Where there was weakness and a frailty and under the bondage and power of sin, now there's deliverance, forgiveness, and freedom. Amen. I would to God, anybody listening on the sound of my voice that don't know Jesus, come to him and believe. Trust him and be saved. The rest of us in here, my urgent message to you is let's 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 seek this year to be what God wants us to be. And I'm not saying you need to spend every day of your life going out and knocking doors up down the streets all day long. That's not what I'm saying. As you go about your day, God is able to connect point A and point B. You realize that? God's able to work out all the connections. You don't have to worry about that. All you got to do is go forward with the mindset that I'm going to serve God today. I'm going to try to be a witness today. And I'm going to look and listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God to who I come across, where those opportunities are, 
and be sensitive for God to show me who needs to be spoken to. And when that opportunity arises, like Paul, open your mouth. You'll wax bold. God will use you. And we'll see some things happen this year. Let's stand together.